2, 1 through 10. And in addition to that, I also like to read Matthew 12, 38 to 41, since Jesus talks about him re- uh, talks about him fulfilling the sign of Jonah in himself. So there's a, so, there's a, a good New Testament connection here as well. Um, interesting with Jonah, hey, when your relationship with the Lord goes sour, the joy is gone. And you see that with Jonah. He runs away from God. He disobeys him. And he runs away from God as far as he can. God says, go to Nineveh. Jonah says, no, I am not going to Nineveh. And then what does the Lord do? Well, he loves his child, so he's going to hound him. And Jonah is almost like, you know, like the parent running around the table trying to get his kid, spank his kid. And the kid's always escaping the parent's grasp. Well, that's what Jonah's doing, always escaping God's grasp. And finally, (laughs) finally, Jonah is thrown overboard, right, after God confronts him. In the meantime, who's converted? Those who are worshiping idols. (laughs) They're the ones that are converted. Those are the ones that Jonah should be going to. So Jonah is willing to be damned. He's willing to lose his salvation, right? Go into the seas, forget it all, almost like a suicide attempt. And meanwhile, the other nations, they're believing. No, and the sailors, they're confessing the Lord. And something that we can really keep in mind that, you know, treasure, treasure what you have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because if you don't, God could just as well take it away from us and give it to a people that we just like the most. Right? Because we're not any more deserving than anyone else with these riches of the treasures of God's grace. But anyway, God continues to pursue Jonah. And we come to Jonah 1, verse 17. 1, verse 17. And uh, verse 17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to do what? To swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish. How many days? Three days and three nights. And then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the fish's belly. And he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction. And he answered me, out of the belly of Sheol I cried. And you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas. And the flood surrounded me. All your billows and your waves passed over me. Then I said, I have been cast out of your sight. Yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The waters, that's a very significant phrase in there. I will look again to your holy temple. The waters surrounded me even to my soul. The deep flows around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I went to the moorings in the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you have brought me up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. So the Lord spoke to the fish, and it spit out Jonah onto the dry land. And in that connection, I'd also like to read Matthew 12, 
38 to 41. Scribes and Pharisees asked for a sign. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered, saying, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But Jesus answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. No sign will be given to it except the sign of prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up in the judgment with this generation and condemn it. Because they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and indeed a greater than Jonah is here. Who's the greater than Jonah? Jesus. Yeah. Okay. How would you like to be transported across the sea, boys and girls? Not in a boat, but in a fish. No, not on top of a fish. Not like marine land on top of a dolphin. No, but inside a fish. What would it be like to be inside a fish for three days and three nights? Dark, danky, or dank, swampy kind of inside. And then, you know, to be swallowed whole, and then to be spit out or vomited out. Gross, you say. Well, you know, is this a true story? Yes. It's a true story. And it really happened. It's not just a story. It's not, some people say, oh, this is an allegory. It didn't really happen. But if you don't, if we don't believe this, are we going to believe that Jesus historically and really did die and rise from the dead? It's so important that we believe that this really happened in history. Jonah was actually swallowed by a fish, not a whale, but a great fish. That was his experience. It really happened to him. And he was really spit out. That's part of believing, right? (laughs) That's part of believing the scriptures because we believe it because the Bible says even Jesus confirms it. So if Jesus believed it, if Jesus taught it, how much more shouldn't we? Now, no doubt it's a miracle here. And after all, how many days did God take to create the heavens and the earth? Six days. And how did he do it? By his mouth. Can he not do this to a prophet? Preserve him? inside the belly, a stinky belly of a big fish, a great fish, three days and three nights. You notice here, the one who created all things, he can also use creation, use creation in such a way that it serves his almighty purposes because God has Nineveh, Israel's biggest foe in mind. And he says, no, Jonah, I'm going to take you or throw him overboard. You are ready to end your life. There's a fish coming to get you because I'm going to bring you to the shore. You'll notice that if you look at verse 17 of chapter 1 and 2 verse 10, it's the Lord at work here. You know, the sailors pick up Jonah. And what do you read in verse 17? Ah, uh, the Lord. No, it wasn't just a, a, a fish there that opened its mouth. 
No, the Lord appointed a great fish. He not only appointed it, but he prepared it ahead of time. So there's Jonah sort of wailing in the stormy waters. The fish that God appointed, the fish that God prepared, swallowed them up. The Lord is very much in the details. And he not only appoints it and prepares it, but on the third day, what does the Lord do? He says to the fish, okay, fish, it's time to give up Jonah. He spoke to the fish. And the fish was a better listener than Jonah was. Jonah was always evading God's word, always running away. But the fish, you know, what a good example to Jonah. He spoke, God spoke once and the fish went, Bleh, and out came Jonah right out of its big mouth. Ah, God will make sure that he will accomplish his purposes and no one can get around it and not Jonah either. He will make sure that the message of salvation goes to the Ninevites, whom Jonah so much hates. God will make sure that his servant brings that message of salvation to the Ninevites, the arch enemy of Israel. Even if it has to be through a fish, God will accomplish his purpose. And what is Jonah? What's Jonah doing for three days inside the fish? There's some commentators says that he really did die for a time. Um, I doubt that. Um, it's evidently he was praying inside the fish. And it probably means he was awake all those three days and three nights. What's he doing in the fish? Praying. Well, that means his head was not under the water in the fish. There were seaweeds wrapped around his head. I mean... Fish love seaweeds, and seaweeds are coming into its gut. It was wrapped around its head. But he was able enough to be conscious and to, to, to pray to the Lord. And he comes to confess. In his very last words, those are the most important words in this chapter and the most important words of the book and in the Bible. Salvation is of the Lord. It's not our doing the Lord saves whom he wills, and salvation is always from him. You know, if it wasn't for the Lord and his gracious persistence, his one who, who overcomes unbelief, where would Jonah be? <laughs> he, he would have been dead. Where would we be? We wouldn't be sitting here in God's holy temple. We wouldn't be sitting here. Verse 1 tells us that Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from where? Inside the gut of the great fish, the belly, not inside his mouth. I mean, he had a big, big mouth, no doubt, but inside the belly, inside the belly of the great fish. Two things Jonah does here. He cries out to the Lord in distress. And Imagine this. He, he knows that God is at work in his life. He's already thanking him inside the fish before he gets out. So he thanks God for his deliverance. He celebrates his deliverance. Those two things we want to look at this morning. Jonah cries out in distress. And second of all, he celebrates. He's already celebrating inside the fish God's deliverance. 
Yeah, his distress was like a death. Thrown overboard into the sea during a terrible storm, now inside the belly of a great fish. What would that have been like? Would have been dark inside? You're removed from the land of the living. Isn't that what the grave is? You're removed from all the blessings of the earth. Removed from the land of the living and in the darkness, in the depths. That's where Jonah was. And we know that, that we know the fish in Western Met pretty deep because it went to the bottom of the mountains, as you see in verse 7, I think it is. We'll get there in a minute. But notice he went down, down. He was very, in a very low period of his life. Relationship went south with the Lord. His relationship went really, really sour, and it showed by his cantankerous nature. He was unwilling to reconcile himself with God, and he goes into the deepest depths in his life. He went down into Joppa. That's how chapter 1 began, remember? Down into the ship. That word down is repeated a lot. And then he went down into the belly of the great fish. It's no picnic here. Hey, there's, there's no food to be had in that belly of the whale. It's time for somber reflection on the Lord's tightening hand of discipline on Jonah. From the belly of the fish, what are the first words he says? I cried. I mean, he cried. He wasn't silent. He spoke loudly. He spoke in anguish. I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction. What was his affliction? Being in the depths. Being removed from the land of the living. And the Lord answered me. You can never escape the reach of God. You might, be, you might feel like there's no one there for you. But God is always there. As he was for Jonah. Jonah is crying out. Why? In his case, because he did not obey the word of the Lord. You don't obey the Lord, word of the Lord. Hard things are going to happen. Life is going to be miserable. God said to Noah, cry out to Nineveh, preach. He didn't. Now he's crying. He's crying out to the Lord because of his own misery, his own affliction. That's the word there, affliction. I think it's affliction. Affliction, yes. What's the Lord doing here? He's chastening. I know it's a special word. Chastening means he's disciplining. Parents discipline their children. Well, the Lord also disciplines his children. He's disciplining his disobedient, wayward, unfaithful servant. He's a son of the covenant, right? But he's gone wayward, Jonah. And now he's spending time in this dark, danky, swampy belly full of seaweed wrapped around his head, stinky, in his affliction. God has a sense of humor, doesn't he? You know, this Jonah thinks he's so big and running away and God just kind of put it, puts him in there and this is his plight. Jonah, now it's time. Scripture reminds us that the Lord chastens or disciplines those whom he what? He loves. I think we have to be really clear about that. Just because we're receiving his chasing doesn't mean he's angry, like angry that he hates us. No, he might be he, 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 he loves us and he wants to see the best for us as he does for Jonah here. Hebrews says it this way. 
No chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. No doubt the Lord answered Jonah. He already did by saving him in the belly of the fish. He would have, could have, he would have just drowned in the stormy seas. Who, who has a chance of surviving being thrown into the seas? Especially when there's a storm. God, especially of all the creatures, especially prepared this particular fish for Jonah. Jonah continues, verse 2. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried. You heard my voice. There again is the word cried, anguish. He was so far from God. Out of the belly of Sheol. He's responding. Beautiful to see that. He's responding to the Lord who's chastening him. That's God's grace. Sometimes when we're chastened, we don't pray at all. We just, or we ignore it. But here, Jonah's responding. The Lord confronted him through the storm. Jonah didn't care. The Lord confronted him through the sailors, the ones who worshiped other gods, asking Jonah to pray to God for them. Jonah didn't care. He wouldn't do it. At least there's no indication that he did in chapter one. And so stubborn is Jonah in his wayward ways. He finally says, okay, throw me into the sea. I, I, he wanted to escape any kind of responsibility. Life couldn't get any worse for Jonah. How much lower could he go? And now finally out of the belly of Sheol, he cried. Sheol, what is Sheol? It's this real special word. It means the underworld. Okay, the depths, sometimes it's translated as the grave. It's a realm for the dead. For example, Psalm 139, verse 8, the psalmist says, If I make my bed in Sheol, if I make my bed in the grave, behold, you are there. God is there. Yuri Brito, um, in his commentary on Jonah, he mentions something very significant here. He says, Sheol was a place where everyone who died went. They went to that place called Sheol. That's before Jesus opened up heaven. So that would have been the Old Testament believers as well. They went to a place called Sheol. But after Jesus ascended into heaven, the believers of the Old Testament then were transferred to heaven to be with him. They were transferred from that underworld of Sheol, transferred to be with Christ in heaven after Jesus conquered sin, death, and hell. Of course, for believers today, we don't go to a place called, we go to a grave, but it's technically not Sheol because we go immediately to be with the Lord Jesus Christ as believers. For Jonah, the fish was the belly of Sheol, like a watery grave. He was removed from the land of the living, from his family, from his community, from food, from any kind of vacation and pleasure. I think we need to bring up something here too, and that is in times of severe chastening, a believer may sometimes feel so very alone, so very isolated. And it's so sad to see today that more and more what's becoming accepted in the church is a thing called suicide. It's not 
right. It's never right to take your own life into your own hands. Okay, the Lord is very clear. The Lord is very clear that there is always a way out. No one is ever beyond the reach of God's hand. The way out is always to return to the Lord. And that's, if you think of one person who was so isolated, so far removed, that would have been Jonah. But he experienced God's grace to look up. To look up where? To the Lord. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried. And Jonah says, and you heard my voice. How could God be hear his voice when God is so far away? Well, God wasn't far away. God was with him in the belly of the fish. Even if he had a quiet cry, God would have heard him. Down he was, down, so far down. He felt so far down, but not beyond the reach of the Lord. He continues reflecting on his watery game, verse 3. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas. There's that sense of Sheol again. And the flood surrounded me. All your billows and all your waves passed over me. You know, it's very interesting. If you look at chapter 1, it's the sailors who picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea. But ultimately it wasn't them. It was the Lord. It was the Lord working through the sailors who took Jonah. It was the Lord who took Jonah and had him hurled into the sea. He had enough of it for the time being with Jonah in the boat, being recalcitrant as he was. And so he went to the next step lower into the sea. The Lord may use events in our lives too, circumstances, people, sometimes to humble us, to bring us low, but it's so important that we respond in the right way because it's those situations where the Lord gets our attention, doesn't he? He wants to get our attention. In this case, he was trying to get the attention of Jonah through the storm, through the sailors, and now the fish. It gets worse each time, doesn't it? Jonah, you need to get back into a right relationship with me. Your relationship is so sour. You're heading the wrong direction. You need to come back to me into a right relationship with me. You need to walk in the way of obedience. I want you to do what I say. May my will be done, not yours, Jonah. It wasn't blind forces of nature at work. It wasn't chance. It was the Lord, right? It says in verse there. It says in verse three there. It was the Lord. It was his billows. It was his ways. These were God's ways and billows that were threatening to swallow him. Jonah speaks of the flood surrounding him. The billows and the ways that pass over him are the Lord's. What does that remind us of? The flood. The waves. You think, all through a scripture, you think, oh, okay, our mind should go back to Genesis 6, 7, 8, and 9. The flood of Noah. Except here, it's as if Jonah is now thrown out of the ark of salvation, thrown out of the church, and the waves of judgment, God's judgment, are now crashing upon him. He's not on the ark. No, no. He's been cast out of God. I mean, he's been cast out, left to drown. You know, there's more here, too. 
Because as Jonah, we read Jonah, Israel's also hearing about Jonah. Jonah's story is Israel's story. Israel was the church in that day. And if you read Hosea 6, verses 2 and 3, you know, you see there that the sea that Jonah was thrown into, it represents the nations. The sea represents the nations. Then it was Assyria. Assyria is the sea, or you could say the belly that unfaithful Israel would go into exile, would go into the depths. It was God's implicit warning to the church back then. And of course, Hosea chapter 6, verse 3 says, On the third day, he will raise us up. Talking about the nation. He will deliver me in his sight. Okay? You see the connection. The story of Jonah is really the story of the church, the Old Testament church. But anyway, in verses 4, four through 10, you see by God's grace a, a, a resurrection. That's what we see here. A resurrection from Sheol, death's death, you could say, into a resurrection. And that's evidenced by what? By a change in Jonah's heart. The resurrection of Christ is not just for us, but it's also in us, isn't it? Right? There's a change. And with it, the Lord brings a corresponding change to Jonah's situation. And that brings us to our second point, 4 through 10. Even inside the fish, so strong is God's, so strong is Jonah's confidence in the God of his salvation. He prays in verses four, five, and six. I'll read them together. Then I said, I have been cast out of your sight, yet I will look again to your holy temple. The water surrounded me, even to my soul. The deep clothes around me, weeds were wrapped around my head. That's the seaweeds. I went down to the moorings of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you have brought up my life from the pit. You know, down into the belly of the fish, down into Sheol, he went down to the, it says here, the moorings of the mountains. What are the moorings of the mountains? It's the very bottom of the mountains in the depths of the sea. I mean, you can imagine going so far down. Think of the submarine that went down that exploded, right? I mean, their mountains even go that far down. Well, that's where Jonah was, to the very bottom of the mountains. That was about as low as he could go. And yet, in the depths, you see Jonah, by God's grace, returning to the Lord. You notice twice he prays, and yet, <laughs> there's a glimmer of hope. And yet, yet what? I will look again to the holy temple, your holy temple. And he says, and yet you have brought up my life from the pit. The pit, of course, is the, the depths. He looks again. Where? To God's holy temple. This was a sign that Jonah was truly repenting and coming to the Lord in faith. No longer running away. But now by faith, he turns his gaze, he turns his face toward the temple. And the temple was really the place of God's presence. In our words today, we would say this. The runaway prophet, Jonah, had decided to lead the church. And he did. And God cast him out then finally. And now he's ready to come back. Come back to the church. You know, you think about it. The church is central in terms of our relationship with the Lord. You can't divide believing in Jesus 
from being a member in the church. On Pentecost, those who believed in Jesus, what's the next thing Jesus did? He added them to the church. The church is where God works in our hearts through the preaching of his word and by his spirit. That's where he strengthens us by his word. The church is the place where God strengthens us around his table, the Lord's Supper, and through the signs and baptism. That's how Jesus brings salvation to us. He brings salvation to us through these powerful means, the word preached, and through the sacraments that he's given to the church, the sacraments of grace. It's through these means of grace that God has ordained the word and the sacraments. You want salvation? Come to Christ. You want Christ? Come to the church. There's a saying by St. Cyprian who said, he who does not have God as um, he who has God as father must have church as his mother. Without the church, how can you have God as your father? Because it's through the church where Christ nurtures and nourishes and brings to salvation. Evangelicals have lost that today. But it's so scriptural, it's so biblical. You can't separate believing in Jesus from being a part of his body. That's where he does his work. Certainly he works in our daily lives. But the church is the focus, and it's the place where we refocus. And that's what Jonah does here, too. He says, I will turn my gaze toward your holy temple. That's why we come together each Lord's day to receive the salvation of the Lord and need again and again. Can one really love Jesus and disassociate himself from the church? No. You cannot say you love Jesus and disassociate yourself from the church. It's not possible. Of course, for the thief on the cross, right? Those final moments. But then again, when he was saved, he joined the church, in this case, in heaven. In returning to the Lord, Jonah prays, I look again to your holy temple, to the place of your presence. And that means finally, these means of grace that God has given to the church by which he imparts salvation to us in Jesus Christ has a single goal, and that's the worship of the Lord. There's no greater activity that we could ever do in the world than worship the Lord. That's the greatest activity in the world. Verses 7 through 9, Jonah gives praise and thanks to God, the God of his salvation, even from the belly of the fish. He says, when I, my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. My prayer went up to you, into your holy temple. There it is again, your holy temple. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. And then he says, he promises that he's going to worship him and keep his vows. Think of our profession of faith, right? Or our baptism, the vows. Okay, I'm going to keep that. This is my relationship to Christ. This is my relationship to my fellow members. This is what Jonah is saying here. He says, I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. I will keep what I have promised. I will do as I have promised. Jonah concludes his prayer with these words, salvation is of the Lord. And no doubt, Jonah's gonna see it soon because the message of salvation is gonna go to Nineveh. And the reason why it's gonna go to Nineveh because 
God also wants to worship his worship from Nineveh. But in order to have that worship, they need to hear the message of salvation. It was the Lord who sent Jonah into the depths of Sheol. It was the Lord who turns Jonah's heart around to seek him. This salvation is all from the Lord, right? From beginning to end. He has begun a good work in you, will complete it. But sometimes through all kinds of hard things in life, but his own children, he'll always bring back to himself. We were in verse 10. So the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah onto the dry land. Risen from the dead, Jonah. <laughs> Amazing, the miracle of God. Boy, you deny that this really happened in history? You got nothing left. This is powerful stuff. He really went in and was swallowed and he really came out, risen from the dead as it were, recommissioned to serve the Lord anew. That song, may it resonate in our hearts and lives because we all go through situations in our lives and it calls for a response to the Lord as well, a faithful response. What lessons? First is, it shows what happens when someone turns his back on the Lord. Look at Jonah. What happens when we turn our back on the Lord? But it also shows what happens, how one's life can blossom when we return to the Lord. Right? When the relationship is strong, there's a blossoming, there's a life, there's a greenness. Second, never think that we can wander so far away from God that God won't bother with us anymore. We're never beyond the reach of God's grace. We can never wander so far from him that God won't come back to us. He will. Think of the parable of the prodigal son. The door is always open to hear an honest, humble prayer for mercy. Yeah, yeah, but we need to turn back to him. Because if we don't turn back to him, there's only judgment, not salvation. Yeah, but yeah, so we need to turn back to him. We need to pray for that grace. So always turn back to him again and again. And finally, Jonah's story is Israel's story, but Israel's story ultimately is Jesus' story. You know, the Jews were demanding a sign. Again, the same Jews who Jonah came from, they were still not believing in Jesus' day. They wouldn't accept him. They wanted a sign. They wanted some sort of a life from the dead sign before them. And Jesus says, okay, I'm going to give you a sign. I'll give you the sign of Jonah. You know about Jonah. Jonah was cast into the belly of the fish, spit out in the third day. And now Jonah points to Jesus. Jesus himself will be buried in the belly of the earth. And on the third day, rise from the dead. But there's this big difference between Jonah and Jesus, isn't there? Jesus died and rose again because of unfaithful Israel, because of unfaithful Jonah. He didn't do it for his own sin, but we know that he having no sin, he did so on behalf of his sinful people. Unlike Jonah, right, who did not obey his call, Jesus suffered in our place obeying the will of God, obeying the word of God perfectly in our place. Why could God forgive Jonah? It's because of that. Hundreds of years later, Jesus would come and die for Jonah. Jonah never really died, 
because Christ himself is the one greater than Jonah for whom he would die the horrors of the cross and cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? No one has suffered such great depths as Christ himself. He took the place of Jonah. He took the place of his covenant people. But he also conquered it through his, res death, through his resurrection from the dead. Christ would be crushed under God's judgment so that there would be a way back for Jonah and for us. You want proof? The cross is the proof. One greater than Jonah has come. Let us find our rest. Let's look to him. Look to Christ, the one who's the savior of his body, the church. Look to him, to his finished sacrifice on the cross. It is fully sufficient to cover all our sins, all our wanderings, even to the very depths where we have gone. No, our salvation is not in ourselves. It's in Christ. If we look to ourselves and we try to find life in ourselves, this will only bring despair and more despair. Look outside of the valley. Look outside the valley of your circumstances to Christ and rest in him. Joy is found in him. Salvation is of the Lord.